0: Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life so our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and with me again is Dan Cates. Dan, it's good to have you again on the program. Thank you. We're talking about far better than a godless home, that living a godly life is so much better than living a life without God. And when we talk about a godless home, naturally we also have to talk about a godless nation because it seems at times that's exactly what we have And you mentioned in the last episode, this was not a Christian nation. It was founded upon Christian morals and the idea that God was the supreme leader and that we needed to be moral. And over time, that morality has shifted to more of an immorality, doing what feels good, doing what's pleasurable to us. But in the last few years, something that has really ramped up is the idea of gender and whether or not there are really only two genders. And one of the things that I read in the last few months is that there are parents now who are taking their young children to doctors to have surgery performed to change their sex to make them from male to female or female to male and so do the recent discussions about gender present potential problems for our home?
1: They definitely do. Um, I would suggest not as much from the uh, arguments about gender themselves although those are sort of uh ancillary to the to the real issue which is i want to be able to live the way i want to i want to identify however i want to do it and so i'm going to redefine things to make that possible there there's the real problem the problem isn't um simply thinking that there are more than two genders it's the attitude that says there are more than two genders. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to be responsible for my fate and uh, how I how I'm going to spend my existence. We, we've had homosexuality really crammed culturally down our throats. Right. And I, I think a lot of that is backlash for. Maybe not dealing with the issue, but mistreating people Mm -hmm. who were in those lifestyles. You know, we need to be and always have needed to be recognizing that sinfulness. Right. But not mistreating the person who's in sin, helping him, though, to recognize uh, what truth is and, and so forth. As far as the gender issues, I teach English among other things. And we understand that there's masculine, feminine, neuter. We understand there are pronouns which we use for male and female. And we've heard so much about now these intergender or non-gender and so forth types of pronouns. I know that there are universities that literally have tried to produce new pronouns that can be used. If we were to simply go back to Scripture and recognize that in the beginning God created male and female, right, and we were to follow Scripture and see the roles that each of those play and not pit them against each other as a competition, but see that each one of them has strengths, and each one complements the others. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and I think a lot of it had to do with women's liberation, and you know that was really a response to mistreatment of women. Right. Unfortunately, it's become a competition. You know, even recently, uh, we've heard the United States women's soccer team upset that they're not getting paid the same amount as the men's soccer team and so forth it's a competition mm-hmm. is what it what it has become if we go to scripture we see a book that helps one to appreciate what he is or what she is not to depreciate what the other gender is we are male we are female we have our own God-given abilities, God-given jobs for man to toy with that begins to erode that foundation of the home. From this standpoint, we see the pressure of this world around us to ignore Scripture, to ignore those roles which God has really through the years celebrated. Right. So it's hurting the home from the gender standpoint in attacking that foundation. But I would suggest the greater harm is in the uh, empowering of the homosexual and other movements like that. But I would suggest that that's not going to be the extent of it. If my alternative lifestyle... Is to be with another man world can't say anything about it. What if my alternative lifestyle is to be with an animal right? What if my alternative lifestyle is to be with an underage child right? What if my alternative lifestyle is and you know we could list the different possibilities and believe me, there are those out there who are saying, if they can do that, then I can do what I want to do. Right, why can't I, is the the idea. And especially since the code word today is love. Mm -hmm. But again, I would suggest that that idea of love is one which is wholly misrepresented. If we want to understand love, we go to 1 Corinthians 13. If we want to understand love, we go to the idea of setting affection on things above if we want to understand love, we go to, If you love me, keep my commandments. Those are the basis of love, and that's what love ultimately is going to do. Love isn't going to first allow, then justify, and then legislate that which is ungodly. Right. So the attack on our home starts out as tacking that foundation of, male-female, so a basis of some of the uh, beautiful parts of Scripture, to actually closing the door on uh, anything which would seem to uh, inhibit Mm -hmm. man's expressing his every will.
0: And eventually we get to a point where you study history and you look at nations that have fallen. And a lot of those nations fell shortly after homosexuality became acceptable by their society's standards. And it's it's when sin is a reproach to any people, to any nation, in any way, shape, or form. When I look at history, we have the old adage, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And there's nothing new under the sun. So what this country is going through, other countries went through. Now, it might be different because we have different means and methods than they had back in the time of the Bible and even back in the time before Internet and things of that nature. But in truth, homosexuality existed in the Old Testament. It existed in the New Testament. So this is not a new sin that somehow has been missed by people. This has been around for a long time. What the world has not done well is it has not learned from the mistakes of others. And with this conversation about gender, what is eventually going to become a problem, I fear, for our people, is that your child will bring home their significant other, and you won't genuinely know. Or when you meet someone out in the world, you won't genuinely know. If we let this continue to become as rampant as we've allowed homosexuality to become, or even as we've allowed abortion to become, if everybody decides that, And we say things like a child's not allowed to drive until they're 16. We say things like a child's not even allowed to drink alcohol, which, of course, you and I would be against, but we say they're not allowed to do that until they turn 21. Why? We deem their brain has not developed enough, that their body, that they're not mature enough to make those decisions, yet we tell them at 5 years old they can change their gender. Yeah,
1: they can choose.
0: That doesn't make any sense. And that's the problem is what we do is we throw logic out when it pleases us. And we can't do that. And I guess that's the issue really with the gender problem that we have right now is I can call a duck a whale, but it does not make that duck a whale. And even though someone will go through surgery and become male from female or female from male, in the eyes of the Lord, they're still what they were when they were born. God does not make mistakes. And in the beginning, he made them, as you mentioned, male and female. Therefore, I need to bow to the Creator and understand that he knows what he's doing. And if we allowed these sins to become the way that everybody in the world lived, the population would die out. Because eventually there would be no more children being born. There would be no more ability to have children. And we would die. If homosexuality became the dominant way of having a relationship, the world would die.
1: Well, juvenile said nature knows best. Their desires have no, um, no issue. Uh, in other words... Yeah, they can't keep, in again, in juveniles' words, they can't keep their marriages solvent by producing babies. And there, there's a Roman who's not interested in Judeo-Christian ethics <clears throat> at all, and he recognized at the end of the first century A.D. that the same problem that we're expen- ex- experiencing relatively into the 21st century A.D., they were getting worse and worse and worse and worse. I would suggest we in many areas have passed where they were. Right. But, it, yeah, it won't provide any physical issue. No, and we have no shame. Successful.
0: We have no shame anymore as a country. I mean, it used to be that you couldn't hear certain things or see certain things, and now it's almost as if the television and Hollywood, you mentioned the media in one of our episodes, it's almost as if they ask when they sit down to plan something, all right, what can we get away with? What can we put before them? And all the commercials have become over sexualized and things of that nature. And what it results to is people today in their homes watch television a lot more than anything else. And so when they see nothing but ungodliness, it seems like there's a lot of a lack of concern to even be a godly home. Do you notice that trend?
1: Yes. And less of a less of an ability to answer it, less of a comfortability. In answering it and so forth. Parents, when they've heard a bad word on TV in the past, uh, they've said, now you never say that. Then maybe they've gotten to the point where they blush a little bit. Now they've gotten to the point where they laugh at the bad word that's being said. And it's becoming more and more uncomfortable to answer what's being promoted in media and in our children's friends and so forth.
0: Well, when we talk about this idea of a godly home and, and anything that challenges a godly home, the devil is behind. And the devil wants to see a godly home be destroyed. One of, the, one of God's greatest creations, I said this in one of the season two episodes that we recorded recently, one of God's greatest creations outside of the church was the home. And he made man an opportunity to have people that he could love and spend, and it was a godly institution that was created. And the devil's first attack on God... That we see in scripture was on the home it was to destroy adam and eve and so one of the really bad teachings that has reared its ugly head over the years is that god hates women because you see that god has made the man the head of the house therefore the women must not have value to god but how can we help people realize that the husband being the head of the house doesn't mean the wife has no value
1: well first of all we can go to scripture um Like you said, people ridicule scripture because God is supposedly chauvinistic chauvinistic and misogynistic and all of that stuff. I, I would suggest, and I've done some reading in ancient writings, that you will with no other book even coming close, you will find in Scripture the preeminent Elevation of women. Mm -hmm. Women are not only spoken of in Scripture, but many of the great personalities, that the heroines of of Scripture, are there because God values women. People think, well, women are relegated. Well, women are. I don't know that relegated is the right word. I think that in any organization, there must be order. So the order of women is not that they are the ones in the front. It doesn't detract from their importance. In 1 Timothy 5.14, you see that women are told, uh, the younger women are told that you know, if their husbands die or so forth they need to marry they need to bear children guide the house the word guide the house there is oiko despotēs oiko house despotēs is where we get our word despot women are the house rulers that's authority mm-hmm. that's power now you can't have two rulers you'd have the husband who's the head of the wife Ephesians chapter 5 the wife who submits notice that doesn't say she's less that says she's chosen to take that lesser role she's not less she has herself submitted but look at what she's submitting to She's submitting to a position of authority that she herself is going to have. She's submitting to become the house ruler. That's not an attack. That's a recognition that in an organization there needs to be order. Here's how God wants to do it. And the reason he says to do it goes back to the Garden of Eden. But even if he didn't give the reason... God has a reason, and he's not so flippant to do it just because he has some dislike of women. When we try to attack God like that, we are putting human mindsets into God. He thought, He thinks far above that.
0: And, you know, I can't determine why God made the man the head of the house, except for the fact that God is God, and God has a reason for that. And I loved what you said about the submitting. You know, it's a lot easier to submit to someone that is a nice and someone who is agreeable and you can get along with than it is to have a dictator in the home. And so there's an importance put upon the husband, too, which is what I have to do in my household is I need to govern my house in such a way that my wife is willing to submit to me. I don't need to be such an obstinate individual that she comes home and dreads having any conversation with me about what we need to do in the home. And God put the husband as the head of the house, but then he added it in Ephesians 5, as Christ is the head of the church. And what that really says is, husband, you be like Christ. And what would Christ do? Well, Christ was willing to die for the church. Christ was willing to do whatever it took to benefit the church, to please the Lord and to help the church be established. So what do I do for my family? I lead and I govern in such a way and sacrifice in such a way that when my wife needs to submit and has to submit to me, she's more than ready and willing to. And that's a responsibility on me. But the thing that the thing that I have to say about it, I guess that makes the most sense as to what you said is God designed the puzzle and every piece of the puzzle is needed for the puzzle to be completed. And if a wife is going to thrive in the home, and if a family is going to thrive in in that regard as a godly family, it has to be the way God set it up. And in fact, what I'm told is Adam was just as much of a horrible leader in Genesis 3 as Eve was a bad wife in the sense that Adam was standing right next to her. He was tempted also, and he could have stopped her. So the, the entire mentality that God hates women, there is a blame put upon Adam there, too. Adam, you should have stepped up and been a leader. But one of the things that I think is so quickly forgotten is, like you said, Scripture elevates women. Uh, the book of Ruth, the book of Esther. Esther alone is so pivotal because we studied that book through last year at Somerville, and Esther alone, not doing what she did, could have potentially prevented the birth of Christ, because had Esther not stepped in and done what she had done, the entire Jewish nation was going to be annihilated, absolutely wiped off the face of the earth. And Esther steps in, and Mordecai tells her, perhaps this is exactly the reason why you're in the position you're in to step in and stop this. And who is it that saves an entire nation? A woman. And so God does not hate women. God often has used women in a great and wonderful way. And so just because in one area of their life, like you mentioned too, she submits to the same amount of power she has doesn't de-elevate the value. It escalates the value in my mind that she has because it takes a special person to do that. You got something else you want to add?
1: Yeah, I would suggest a few things. Number one, uh, one way to look at it is she's second in command. Right. That's how we sort of look at it in our home. Uh, But talking about those women go to the judges and look at deborah she's telling Bayrack, Bayrack, get out there and do your job mm-hmm. and so that's a woman and the one who ultimately ends the wins the day is jael another woman mm-hmm. so you have and um proverbs 31 one of the greatest tributes in scripture to anybody is a tribute to a virtuous woman proverbs 31 10-31 uh you would be hard-pressed To find any book of antiquity that even mentions a woman in a position of authority, elevation, period. Much less builds one up the way that Scripture does.
0: And that's exactly what I have to understand and everyone has to understand. Without women, there would be no home. And I think we sometimes forget that. Without women, there'd be no home. And one thing that God noticed about Adam, he needs something else. It's not good that man's alone. He needs a helpmate. And the very first thing God says he's going to create to help Adam is a woman. Second-in-command is a great way to look at it. And, you know, husbands that treat their wives as second-in-command and as a team, like you mentioned in the last episode, they saw a team in your household is a family that will thrive and not just struggle to survive. Now, if there's anything that you could, and, you know, we're not looking for anything personal here or anything like that, but if there's anything you could change about the way that things worked in the past, was there anything that you might want to change at all about what you did growing up or even as a young husband and a young father?
1: I think just having better uh, perspective, always being able to see the big picture and more than that, the eternal picture. It's easy for the difficulties of the day. It's easy for the room that's not clean it's easy for the chore that's not done it's easy for the argument at the dinner table to become what rules for the next week keep things in perspective have the big picture understand that our goal is not simply having some measure of forced unity today It's of being together for an eternity.
0: And that's exactly right, because the people we have on earth now are the people we hope to spend eternity with. And if we don't do what God wants us to do, we won't. And what a shame it would be for our families to find spiritual godly leaders elsewhere, make it to heaven and we not make it because of our own lack of spirituality as we close this particular episode out, I've got one final question for us to consider. And it seems simple, but it's not. Because if it were simple, we would be able to easily implement it. Uh, what can we do to put God back in the home?
1: I would say we go back and do what Abraham did. Genesis eighteen nineteen. God said, not Abraham, God said about Abraham, For I know him. Mm -hmm. that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. We need to do what Abraham did.
0: And if we do what good fathers did, and if mothers do what good mothers in the Bible did, we will be like they are, and we'll be exactly what God wants us to be. When I follow the plan, I don't mess up. You know, you follow the recipe, you're supposed to get what the recipe makes. And God gave us a recipe in the Bible for a, faith, a faithful life, a godly life. And all of those things have to be in harmony in the home. When people go into the home, they need to see Jesus. They need to see God. And I thank you, Brother Dan, for being with us. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, what we're going to do again is always do our best to please God now. And I want to encourage you to do the same until next time so that our eternity is far better.